Holly G with the Golf Insiders for this edition of For Your Game. We're going to talk about your game today, and it's always a pleasure to have back the one, the only Hall of Famer, top 50 best teacher of the LPGA. She's one of their four elites. She's one of the best in the business, teacher, author, speaker, swing instructor extraordinaire, Kay McMahon. Woo! Hey, Kay. <laughs> oh, Holly, it's nice to be with you again. Let's talk golf, right? Yes, and what I wanted to do today was kind of go through the bag, if you will, Kay. Uh, you know, it's a new season, 2022. Uh, let's just do a little potpourri if we can today. Uh, I'm going to, you know, just kind of walk through the golf bag and I want to get some tips from you for my listeners on, uh, you know, not only what are some of the common mistakes golfers make when they're selecting specific clubs, if you've got some of your great K-isms, K-fixes that can, you know, help my listeners out today. Rapid fire half hour. All right, let's start with the driver, the big stick. Everybody wants to get more mileage, more yardage, straighter down the fairway. Um, And, you know, even though we know you putt for dough, uh, it's all about the big stick, okay? It's all about how you set up right from the tee. Well, you're right. Um, so if we talk about the driver, what people really do, they go to the, the driving range to warm up. And the first thing they always want to pull out of their bag is their driver. They really should start at the range to warm up from your lower clubs to your to your longer clubs. And what I used to do is, so I wore the grips out all, all kind of at the same time, is I practiced with the even clubs one day and the odd clubs the next day. And then I was finished up with the driver, so that when I got to the first tee, that was the last club I had hit in the range. I can also talk about the number one thing that I get asked all the time is how high should I tee the driver? And the different length tees, Kay. It's 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 become so complicated. Well, it's true, and actually, there is a rule that the tee can only be—I don't think it can be over four inches or four and a quarter inches or something like that, which I never knew. So there is a rule about the tee height, but that uh, four inch tee is pretty high. So the thing that people always do ask is how high should I tee it? <clears throat> a very general rule would be half the ball to be above the top half of the driver, to be above the top of the driver, half the ball above the top of the driver. That's what I have always been told. I like that. Now, I had a personal preference for me. I always teed it higher. I liked it teeing high. I didn't want to come anywhere close to the ground because people oftentimes hit the ground behind it. But oftentimes I see people tee it too low because they think they're skying it. But what they're really doing is they're coming over the top and hitting the ball kind of on the top edge and it pops it up. So people keep teeing it way too low and then they hit the ground and that takes away some of the distance or speed of the club head. So the tee height becomes important and understanding your swing and ball flight. Okay, so then that makes me think about the majority of golfers lean toward that wide right, right, Kay, hitting that slice. Uh, what, what are your tips for, you know, setting up so that you can hit that tee shot straighter? Well, it's really <laughs> probably not more, not so much in the setup. Is it really understanding that the 
typical normal thing that people do when they get to from the top of their backswing. As you've heard over and over on the Internet, you hear them talk on TV all the time, is turn your hips, turn your hips. Well, what happens is when you turn your hips, it turns your shoulder line, which brings the club over the top and creates the slice. So I tell people you really want to start your hands down. We talk about it as the elevator first. Stop turning your hips. The back leg um, releases, and that's what turns your hips. So you get turned without trying to turn your hips. So it's really more of an in-swing um, correction than a setup correction. Let's move to the hybrids. Something that, uh, you know, we now uh, have such a, you know, mixed bag, if you will, of clubs that the average player, you know, uses now. Uh, and we've made this transition, right, from the long irons to hybrids. What What are your thoughts on hybrids? Well, the interesting thing is if you really kind of understand why hybrids came into being is that um, fairways today are cut so well because of the, the machinery. Uh, fairways used to be, the grass used to be maybe like the first cut, and it would, I could actually then probably even have hit a driver off the fairway. But fairway, so long irons became very, very difficult to hit because with the fairways being so tight, you could get a two, three, or four iron very well airborne. So the hybrid is basically a combination, as you well know, from what we would call a wood or now a metal um, to an iron, but it's got a flatter bottom, so it's kind of like an airplane, so it's aerodynamically made so that it can, can kind of brush the top of the grass better. Just slices so, it like butter. Just slices it like butter, right. Um, but what people really need to do with the hybrid, really, is you have a few of them, but they need to first, everyone always looks at the distance first. That's the number one error in the golf, or in the, the decision-making process, not in the swing. Golf pros first look at the lie of a golf ball. Then they look at the distance. So if the lie is a very, very tight lie or the ball sitting down, um, then you need to have a higher lofted light, a hybrid, to get the golf ball airborne. Say a five, for instance, versus taking a three or a four. Right. Theory is the three hybrid or a three, what we call metal, or um, uh, what used to be called a wood, in theory, in theory, should be the longest club in the bag. But if you don't hit it squarely, you're going to lose 10 to 20 yards every quarter of an inch you're off the center of the club face. So hitting a more lofted club makes it actually you're probably going to get more distance than hitting a three-wood, or what we call three-wood. Yeah, I, I hope my listeners got that because that's playing like a tour pro, not playing like an average Joe, using your brain, Kay, to hit the best shot. That's the truth about lies. First look at the lie, then look at the distance. Well, that let me back up then, because that makes me think about choosing your three-wood, your five-wood, in a lot of the cases, even a seven-wood off uh, the fairway. Uh, would you say, you know, similar strategy? Well, the three-wood, I would probably sometimes say if the ball's sitting up in the, in the rough, is you might have a better shot than... than than hitting it off the fairway. The fairways are cut so, so tight today that you'd, re you'd be better off doing a 5-wood or 7-wood, which we don't. They're harder to find. 7-woods and 9-woods are harder to find today, but that, that would be another club to put in your bag. So definitely, I would always go with the more lofted club. Callaway. Uh, Callaway used to have the Divine 9. I love that club. That's right. Well, the old, uh, I can't think of who made it. They used to have the Ginty, 
It was a wood club. It was a four-wood length with a big metal wedge on the bottom of it. That's all my mother would hit. She hit it off the fairway. She hit it off the tee. She hit it everywhere, and then she got to the green. She pitched it on, putted, and we were done. It's all, it's all about scoring, getting it in the hole. Let's move on to the irons. Uh, six, seven, eight. Uh, you know, seven's, I think, one of the most comfortable clubs in the bag for most people. What's your thought? Well, you're absolutely right. It used to be kind of the five iron, but the, the lofts on all the clubs have gotten bumped up, so they're stronger. But there's le- less loft in your seven iron than it e- ever used to be. So it's got a, it's got enough loft. But people always then start to look at the distance trying to hit their hit the green. My recommendation really would be if if you think about the average green is 30 yards approximately in length. The difference between clubs is four degrees difference of loft between clubs. So for men, that's approximately, let's say, eight to ten yards. And for women, that's approximately only five to seven yards. So sometimes when people are between clubs, I say, you could pick three different clubs, three different irons, and still hit the green, because if it's 30 yards, you've got a whole bunch of room. So as one caddy used to say to me, pick a club. Uh, Bad swing is worse than a wrong club selection. Mm, so, great advice. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think so you want, want to get it on the green. Mm-hmm. Well, and I often err when people ask me a question like that. I say hit the one you're most comfortable with because you're going to hit the best shot and have the best result. Well, you're right. And that's why when you're picking, when you said your seven iron, it's got more loft than that six iron. Um, and so you're, gonna, you're right. The other thing that I think people need to do is they say, well, I hit my seven iron iron, let's just say, 100 yards. And I say, is that the carry distance? And they go, well, what do you mean by carry distance? They, they're thinking total distance. The pro thinks of carry distance. Where's my first landing spot? So you also want to look at when you're playing, if the bunkers are in the front of the green, then you want to take the club that's longer. If the bunker is in the back, then take the club that's shorter. So you want to look where the treble is and have that part of your decision-making process of how you choose your iron. Great, great tip. So that brings us to uh, the wedges, K, and judging carry, judging distance. Uh, this is an area I think where a lot of people get bamboozled, I think, because, you know, they mix up chipping with pitching, bump and run, you know, uh, flop shot. We'll, we'll try to break it down for us here. Oh, you, you, this is this could be a whole, you know, hour segment on just this and the wedges. But um, there's so many names for the same type of thing. Wedges, I think, are the number one air of all things in the golf swing is people will tend to top their wedges. So it gets its skull, it shoots it across the green, et cetera, et cetera. They need to understand the design of the club. That on wedges, especially on wedges, your handle sits ahead of the club head. The handle or your hands sit ahead of the club head. So the number one air in the golf swing is that people then want to flip their hands or, or break their left wrist down, their forward wrist down, and they flip the club up. So the leading edge hits the ball and either skulls it, or if you happen to catch it, you've now just increased the loft by somewhere between 5 to 10 degrees. So you really can't ever judge the appropriate amount of distance and the appropriate amount of run, because everything will tend to run. So people tend to flip their hands through impact, 
my advice to that is you have to learn how to keep your back wrist in what we call extension. That's the number one secret of the golf game. Your back wrist stays in extension, which means it's bent, I'll say, backwards, not forwards. It's hard to describe over yes, the radio. Yes, gotcha. Yes. So counterclockwise to your body if you're looking at Correct. your left hand. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. If, the, yeah. if 12 o'clock's up, then you want your the tip of your back hand and your fingers to stay behind so that the handle always stays ahead. The term on the Internet today is you want to always have shaft lean at impact. So, again, that's the number one area in the golf run. Of all the 50,000 people I've ever given golf lessons to, I could bet 99.9% .9 of them flip their hands at impact. If you can do your wedges and practice your wedges, that same position will be true from your putter to your driver. So if you need to practice something, practice your wedges. That's fan that's that's a really really good good advice. And um, I have often heard that that whatever is going on in your golf swing is going on in every aspect, right uh, from the driver to the putter. Correct. So uh, if I can ask, uh, add one more thing to this about the wedges you mentioned, flop shot bump and run, um, what else did you say, chip shot, uh, pitch shot. Technically, a chip shot is what's called a one-lever system, meaning one joint. So really, it's really just your um, your um, hands uh, or your shoulder just moving, your one shoulder just moving. A pitch shot becomes a two-lever system where in your backswing, your elbow will start to bend and it brings the club up a little higher. That creates a little bit more speed and creates a little bit more height. So people really misunderstand going to the flop shot. They think that's really flipping your hand. For most amateurs, I would say never, ever try to do a flop shot because you don't understand it. A flop shot really is keeping that back wrist way, way more in, in extension than trying to flip your hands through it. Yeah, and, and, and opening up that club face and, uh, you know, really taking a, a full swing at it. Uh, Get a 64-degree wedge and learn how to hit it full out. That's that's my advice, Kay. Oh, my goodness. I'm not so sure. Those are a little hard to find, but they do have them out there. I had a guy that came to me once with an 82-degree wedge, and I was like, oh, my gosh. A what? I just, well, went 82, went straight up in the air and came straight down. Oh, my goodness. Hard to hit. Well, I did find a 64-degree uh, a couple of years ago, but it is very difficult to learn how to – to swing full out at that thing. I, I, I don't recommend it, honestly. So now we putt for dough, Kay. So you want me to talk about the little putter for a second? Talk about um, that flat stick. The flat stick. All right. Most people want to learn how to read greens, um, and they spend a lot of time in getting too wound up in is it going to break right, is it going to break left, and they don't spend enough time thinking about the distance or the speed. Every putt is 99% speed. Once you get your line where it's going to break right or left, it's really about speed. So lots of times they'll hit it one foot next to the hole, but it goes eight feet past or eight feet short. So I would re definitely recommend when people practice that what we call a ladder drill, which really only works on distance or speed, um, to where they put ten balls all on the line and they put the balls about a foot and a half, two feet apart, all the way back in the line. 
and they put uh, tees around the hole, let's say three feet all the way around, like a kind of like a dartboard. And then you try to get all 10 balls inside that six foot area all the way around because you can miss a, a putt three feet on those one side to three feet on the other side, which gives you a six foot, six foot span. But most people are too long or too short. The ladder drill. I like that a lot. Um, what about uh, on the fringe, Kay, that decision? Or, you know, you've got that one footer that's just off the green, and you're. I had a few of those last week myself where I just thought, do I hit the flat stick? Do I chip it? Pitch it? What's, what's your go-to? Probably the go-to when you're in that situation, you can putt anywhere you want on the golf course. So sometimes even if I've been under trees, I, I might be 50 yards away. I can still take a pretty good swing at it with my putter and keep it low, and it'll run its little cart up to the green. So I always say that you're better off hitting your putter. I think that's the general advice, even if you're one, two feet off the green, rather than trying to chip it. Again, it has to do with the lie. But I will say one other thing about putting is that most people, I think, really misunderstand how to use the putter correctly. I'm one that says that everybody's heard that it's like a pendulum. I'm going to say it's not like a pendulum. So I kind of go against, as we say in the green, I go against the green on this one. But you make an arc, meaning the, the face of the putter, you want to keep as perpendicular to the ground as you can. But it's going to come up and keep the face perpendicular, and it comes up, so you're giving it topspin. The ball will then roll a lot better, and you won't have to borrow as much. So it's about technique. I think most amateurs um, who are not very good putters take the take the club back too far, okay? If you look at a lot of the best putters, uh, Jack Nicklaus, Ben Crenshaw, uh, Brad Faxon, Brant Snedeker, you know, they, they've, Brant is, you know, the exception, right? He's got that pop stroke. It's, it's all about a, a shorter takeaway and ascending angle and a longer follow through. Wouldn't you agree? I do. It's kind of interesting because if you can do the technique, what I call operate the putter better, the ball's going to roll more. So therefore, then you can take a shorter stroke. But most people flip their hands through impact, and they just hit the kind of the top of the ball, so they're not really getting a good roll. So or you, or a roll. solid strike. Exactly. Exactly, Holly. It's perfectly well said. Mm-hmm. Which also and, then releases the energy of the ball. So people have it backwards in their mind. Correct. And then you hear people say, well, follow through, or you're decelerated. There's no... There is such a thing as deceleration, but the golf ball has no idea if you're coming faster or slower at it. So with that, deceleration simply means that when you get to the ball, your hands have actually stopped, the club head follows through, and that's what you don't want. You want to have the club head go shorter and your hands go farther through, your hands, so operating the handle a little bit better. Well, um, all great tips, uh, a, a great uh, Wikipedia lesson here on going through your golf bag, Kay. Uh, you're in Florida, in Central Florida, uh, at the Mission Inn for the next few months. What uh, What do you have coming up for my listeners in case they want to get in on one of your one of your workshops? Uh, if they want to get uh, a one on one lesson with you, how do they do that? Well, they can go to the website, which is educationgolf.com, which is, as you know, spelled E-D-U-K-A-Y-T-I-O-N golf.com. 
So we have uh, individual lessons going on, and people are taking nice, um, sometimes two- and four-hour lesson blocks. Uh, we're doing a lot of personal or semi-private uh, golf schools, um, like one-day, two-day, three-day golf schools. Um, we also have some dates that we're doing group lessons. But the biggest news that we're doing is we're also doing anyone that's interested in learning how to teach golf and becoming certified. We're doing a teacher certification in March, March 13th through the 15th, and that's online right now. We're reaching out to coaches, high school coaches, golf coaches that want to be able to help the teams better and understand the golf swing better, and then also to improve what I call uh, teaching skills. So it's also uh, really learning about golf. So. Anyone that's interested, they can again find out information on the website, and we want the more the barrier. I, I can't say enough to uh, my listeners. Anyone that you might know out there, if you're interested yourself, uh, I've had the uh, opportunity to work with some of the best of the best of swing instructors in golf, um, and Kay not only has one of the most simplified um, methods. Uh, she also knows how to get results out of each and every golfer I've ever seen her work with, and it's about her teaching approach. And I, I can't recommend it highly enough. And, and now you're actually uh, giving your cookbook away, Miss Kay, <laughs> so that we can get more golfers uh, learning Golf 8.5. It's really, really fantastic and very exciting that you're offering this. And uh, for anybody in um, the Central Florida area or anywhere you're listening to my show, um, you know, what an opportunity to come and spend a few days in the Sunshine State and get the opportunity to work one-on-one with Kay. So, Kay, again, tell my listeners how they can reach you. They can reach me on the website, which is, as I said, Education Golf. But you've got to put K-A-Y in the middle of education. That's how you spell it now. But it's educationgolf.com. And just my phone number's on there, email's on there. So please give me a call. And, Holly, you're always so complimentary, and I certainly appreciate all the support. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for spending some time with us today for another great session of For Your Game. Kay McMahon, thanks so much.